0: And let's open our Bibles tonight to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, We're going to begin reading in verse 1. We'll read through verse 7 uh, responsively. And a very important passage leading up to we're saved by grace through faith. And uh, all that uh, precedes that. So let's look at Ephesians 2 and beginning in verse 1, and shall we stand please for the reading of God's Word? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you hath He quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we had all our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved." and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So I want you to look there at verse 6. It says, And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And tonight we want to talk about uh, spiritual warfare um, just give you an overview. This is very important that we understand uh, the true spirit of uh, Christianity and why did God save us? You know a lot of people are selfish so just so we won't go to hell. Well that's really just a fringe benefit. There's a lot more involved with this and it's all based upon god's taken back what belongs to him and he's going to work in the lives of our our the church uh to glorify himself all right let's pray father i pray that you'd help us to understand this to see the big picture of your plan of eternity and uh spiritual warfare fighting the good fight we pray that you would do a work in our heart Help us to see clearly, to think clearly, to know the doctrine. So we can have a plan, know our purpose, and we could uh, get in the war. We can know what to do and how to do it and to make a difference for thy glory. We yield your spirit. We pray that he would help us to preach and hear the word and that you touch our hearts to realize the significance of being saved and being a part of your kingdom. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Uh, Spiritual warfare. You know, this chapter starts out, we'll look at other verses, but it talks about we were dead, God brought us back to life through faith in Christ. He quickened us who were dead in trespasses and sin. And the symptoms of that is walking according to the course of this world And the prince of the power of the air. So that's very important to remember in the second heaven. And this is the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. So when we were lost, and the world out there that is still lost, uh, living according to the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, by nature the children of wrath, God saved us and quickened us, saved us by His grace. And when He did this, He set us above the prince of the power of the air, this uh, satanic forces in what we would call outer space. So we need to ask ourselves tonight, where do we sit? You say, well, I'm sitting on a pew. Uh, But where do we sit? Do you really believe the Bible? That you are already seated in heavenly places in Christ if you're saved. If we were to give a survey and have people fill it out, what is the real spirit of biblical New Testament Christianity? Most people would say love, grace. That's a big part of it. But when you really understand it, the spirit we should emphasize is warfare. The Bible tells us we are to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We are to fight the good fight of faith. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And as we read this morning Sunday school, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That entails power, levels of power, and we are at the top. Not because of us, but why? By grace are you saved. Now, I'll give you a quick testimony. Some of you need to be reminded of this. You're younger, and some of you get tired of hearing about the old days, but you're going to get more tired about hearing about the old days. But uh So I was saved a Southern Baptist, and then I got saved, and God showed me biblical separation. I came out and became an independent Baptist uh, right after I got saved, 42 years ago, something like that. The Baptists have always shied away from spiritual warfare. They always have. And one of the reasons is Baptists, they... Counterpunch, they don't punch. That's the illustration I use. They do not study the truth a lot. Now, there's exceptions. You know, this is generally speaking, Baptists in general. They react to what other denominations are doing. They do not just read the Bible, reach a sound conclusion, and obey the Bible because it's in the Bible. A lot of times they're guilty. They'll say, well, Catholics praise God. We shouldn't do that. Catholics raise their hands. Did I say Catholics? I meant charismatic. Catholics praise the Lord. Uh, we can't praise the Lord. They, they, they try to react. And then they'll say, like, uh, charismatics are uh, too emotional. We need to be stoic. We need to be more spiritual. And then, uh, they'll, they'll say things like the charismatics are too into, uh, spiritual warfare, you know, and they'll, <laughs> you know, those prayers <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, I take authority you <laughs> in the name of Jesus. And I rebuke the devil. And you know, that, we're not supposed to do that. The, the archangel Michael said, the Lord rebuke you. We don't have power over the devil. God alone has power over the devil. But because of that, they kind of shy away from these things. And I propose and contend we just need to be Bible believers, even if the Baptists aren't. Another example beards. You know, I'm not going to go into all the details about that. Jesus had a beard, by the way. Look it up. They plucked the beard out of his face. So, a lot of old Baptists would say, well, that's hippie, or that's uh, coming out of the Vietnam War, but you know, are you going to punch, are you going to counterpunch? Are you just going to believe the Bible, or are you going to react? Biblically, we're supposed to be involved with what is called by many spiritual warfare. Now, if you ask, what is the definition of spiritual warfare? It is basically... Engagement militarily with invisible spiritual powers—that is the true enemy, and not just the enemy of God's people. These are the enemies of all humanity. They want to take a dominion that God gave to man over the earth. It says, "The beast of the fields, foul of the air." The fish of the sea. Whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea, God gave men dominion over this. Well, these fallen angels and spiritual entities, they want to take that which God gave to man, and their plan has worked to this point. Because Eve as the weaker vessel yielded to the temptation. Adam didn't do his job. He didn't keep and dress the garden. That's a military term to keep the serpent out. And then he willingly uh, disobeyed. And so uh, sin, death passed upon all men for that one has sinned. And now all humanity is depraved and sinful and lost their dominion that is rightfully theirs that God gave them. And so these fallen angels have usurped authority According to Psalm 82, these are called the congregation of the mighty. If you study your Bible and you go back, the number 70 is a very important number. So Noah, uh, when God was so angry, he flooded the first world. He killed all the giants and the offspring of the giants and all in the first world. When he started over, he told uh, Noah to build an ark Eight souls were saved by water. Only his three sons were saved with their wives and his wife. And then they had 70 sons, which were the grandchildren of uh, Noah. And then he repopulated the earth. Well, the Bible says there was giants in, in the earth. And then it says after that. So we're not sure exactly what happened, but more angels fell, and this council of uh, the congregation of the mighty usurped authority. They set themselves up as gods. They demanded to be worshipped as gods. They appeared in many hybridized forms. Uh, Some are part animals. Some are part men. Some have two heads. Some have six fingers and six toes, two rows of teeth. Uh, monstrosities, hideous beings, and also serpent-like creatures, they usurped authority. Now, we as the people of God, we, of course we don't want to go to hell. That's why you get saved. You, you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. But once that happens, God is, wants to use us to take back the authority that rightly belongs to Him that He gave to man. And so now, as we read in our text, we are seated in heavenly places, not earthly places. Once again, if you think you're a grasshopper, you're seated in earthly places. If you rise up and accept God's lofty position that you're saved by grace... God wants to show not just this world, but the world's to come, His power and His majesty and His glory. And and it's beginning with the New Testament church in this dispensation. We are to take back that which God gave man originally. Man forfeited dominion through the, the sin, the depravity and this is called spiritual warfare. So in 2 Corinthians 10:4, we quote this all the time, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Where are these strongholds in outer space? We are to pull them down. Who is our true enemy? It's not men. You know, men irritate us. They let us down. They disappoint us. Uh, is anybody normal these days? Can you find anybody that's normal? It's, it's it's tough search. Uh, we do hope they're out there somewhere. That's the hope we have in the ministry. But our weapons, we're not going to win with carnal weapons. You're not going to punch somebody. You're not going to argue. You're not going to tie them up. You're not going to win with uh, that type of weaponry. And then we know in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and uh, these entities in where? Heavenly places. I've always loved Psalm 24, I believe it is, where it says, Who shall stand in His holy place? His holy place. We are commanded, according to Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God. Not part of it, not a percentage of it, all the armor of God, that we might be able to stand, and having done all, stand against the evil day. Then it says we are to take the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, the two-edged sword of the Word of God, and then praying always with all supplication. This is true spiritual warfare. Uh, There's a lot of people who have said, you know, there's guys who like the Old West, I was born 100 years too late. Nah, you wouldn't have liked it. It, it, it wasn't that great. Uh, the good old days weren't that good. Uh, but, you know, well, I wish I was in the Old Testament. I could be one of David's mighty men and, uh, yeah, well, and, and fight giants, you know, and, and all the enemies of uh, the people of God. Well, we're going to get our chance at the Battle of Armageddon. But it's not time yet. We didn't choose when we're born, but you can choose how you live. And we are to live with a military mentality. This doesn't mean you are militant in the sense of uh, looking down on others and being regimented in in just to an off-balance sense, but it means the way we view life, we're to fight. And if you don't stand up for yourself, somebody's going to take away everything you have. It says in John 10.10, The thief cometh not but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. Jesus said, But I am come that you might have life and life more abundantly. If we're going to understand spiritual warfare... First of all, we need to know the logistics, the location. You think about where is Satan setting up his power? Now, we know that each of the three heavens, the higher rules over the lower. They are subordinate. But Satan can take over a body, a mind, a human spirit a corporation, a government, uh, a military. He can take over certain places. says in the letters to the churches, I know where Satan's seat is. He can take over certain areas geographically. He can take over certain sporting teams. I don't know what that means, but uh, I've seen it. Uh, Dallas didn't get a good one. Uh, for the last 20, 30 years. But anyway, the, uh, the logistics of it, all right? So then what has to happen? There has to be an opening, some door, to where these entities can get in to rule and reign. So they can be invited in, willingly accepted. They can be allowed in, by ignorance they just don't know you remember the old Pandora's box is that Greek mythology where if you open it up you can't get it back in it's horrible evil things in there a lot of people got involved in things they just don't know how wicked it is Uh, there has to be some three-dimensional space for them to move in or they'll try to take it by force This is what we see happen. So the fallen angels rebelled against God, the congregation of the mighty, Psalm 82. They set up spiritual powers over the 70 grandsons of Noah, the nations of the earth. They procreated with women. There were giants after that. This is the offspring of the procreation between fallen angels and wicked women. And then they had children, which are the grandsons of the children of these fallen angels. And then it goes on and on. And we just don't really know how diluted their bloodline is. But they're out there. And we know they're coming back. They're coming back in mass force, those who have been locked up in Tartarus, which is a certain compartment of one of the chambers of hell, which is a prison in the center of the earth, according to Revelation 9, they're going to be released during the tribulation. Horrible things will be brought upon men. Now, God has already prophesied what is going to happen to them. In Psalm 82, they will die like a man. They're not a man. They're an angel. We are made a little lower than the angels. They are above a man in this present dispensation. They are going to die like a man. It's going to be a horrible death. (coughs) Excuse me. Now we know these fallen angels, first of all, they have a physical body. Every time in the Bible an angel showed up, it was visible, had a body, and don't be deceived because a lot of these wicked fallen angels can be transformed into an angel of light. That's what Paul said. Uh, don't don't uh, be deceived. Oh, he had blue eyes and blonde hair. He was so handsome and he was so smooth. Um, or they may show up like an ugly. Werewolf, or they might show up like uh, some wicked snake or a dragon. You have to be very aware of these things. But devils are invisible and spiritual, and these are disembodied nephilim and disembodied pre-Adamites in the before this flood. There's also a lot of creatures, well, what happened to them in the first world? Look what we're up against. It's it's pretty uh, (coughs) scary, but not really. You know why? Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you know what he said? All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. So are we going to sit here on earth in the first heaven or are we going to believe what God said that one of the reasons He saved us for His glory is to seat us in heavenly places? Now, where you sit, we're not just, this is not a word just where you rest your body for a while. You know, I sat in a chair, I, I'm sitting in a pew. No. This word is a position of God-given authority and Just like in the Bible in the Old Testament, uh, the judge would sit in the gate of the city. It was like sitting on the bench of uh, maybe a judge in a courtroom, had a lot of power. He sat in the gate. Where do we sit? In heavenly places. Why is it then we're so defeated? Because process of elimination either we don't know what has happened to us, or it didn't happen to us, or we're not utilizing where we sit. And according to the Bible, we sit in heavenly places. So they need these spiritual entities, these devils, disembodied, uh, giant uh, that got flooded out, or the pre-Adamites. They need a body. So, they're not going to show up in a body. Now, they may possess uh, a human body or the animal, uh, the body of an animal. Uh, some people have seen that. They're, they're afraid of water. We know that according to the Gospels. They seek a dry place. They gang up on people. They will go and get more spirits more wicked than themselves and move in. And this is why a lot of times people look like they're doing pretty good and they turn back on God and they go, uh, they get way worse than they were before if they don't get saved. So according to Deuteronomy 32, 17, there's a word for Israel called Jeshurun. And it says, when Jeshurun waxed fat, when they grew in the promised land, the blessings of God... It says that they turned on God and forsook the rock of their salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah, and they sacrificed to devils and not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods uh, that came newly up. This is what we're up against. Gods, a little g. So I want to remind you of the doctrine of spiritual warfare and the three heavens. We need to get this in our minds. We need to settle it. We need to understand it. And these entities and humans and God all interact through the three heavens and they reside in the three heavens or one of the three or others. Uh, So really, we live in two places. You know, you're right here in your body. If you're saved, you're seated in heavenly places. The devil, the great red dragon, he's the prince of the power of the air of outer space, but he rules the earth and he walks up and down in it. And his angels that rebelled against God with him, they rule over the sons of men. God is in the third heaven, but God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time, but the blessed Holy Spirit lives in every body of born-again believers because their body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But we need to see all the uh, the technical differences to this because we are to fight the good fight. So what is the first heaven? Basically, it's between the surface of the earth to what we would call the clouds. Uh, and and I'll, let me give you some verses on that. Genesis 1.8 talks about the firmament in heaven that fell. And also, the, it, in some ways, it relates to the dew and the clouds and the dew that comes up out of the earth. Uh, evaporation, condensation, these types of things. Psalm 147.8. He covereth heaven with clouds. This is the first heaven. 2 Chronicles 7.13. Rain was withheld from heaven. Now, where which type of rain is this? Because there is two types of clouds, and there's there's three heavens, and there's water above the second heaven in, in the deep. But the Bible tells us, I forget where the reference is, but it says, If God filleth the clouds with water, it will rain. So this is from the surface of the earth to the clouds. Job 35.11 says, The fowls of heaven, the birds that fly in the sky. So this is where natural man lives. This is where lost man lives. Is uh, He resides there. And so, each of these heavens is in subjection to the one above it. And this is a chain of command of authority. Logistically, it literally exists. Spiritually, it literally exists. So now, what is the second heaven? The second heaven is what we would call... Outer space, from the clouds upward. This is where uh, Elon Musk wants to live. This is where they want to travel to Mars. This is where, you know, all these fantasies take place about Star Wars and Star Trek, the final frontier. Uh, This is um, where the prince of the power of the air lives, the great red dragon. Then you have the third heaven which is the dwelling place of Almighty God. Joshua 2.11 God is in heaven. Psalm 11.4 The Lord's throne is in heaven. 2 Chronicles 2.6 The third heaven is called the heaven of heavens. And we should all be aware of Isaiah 66, 1 quoted in other places, I believe. Heaven is His throne, the earth is His footstool. Amen. Now, if we take this literally, you say, well, that's just a spiritual allegory or whatever. If you take it literally, and if God is on a throne, and He is in the third heaven, and so you envision the seat of a throne... Here's the thigh and the knee bends and comes down. The earth is his footstool. So God's got his feet on the earth. And the Bible says the clouds are the dust of God walking in outer space. There's a verse that says that when God moves, he flies on the wings of a cherub. His throne is on the wheel inside of the wheel, according to uh, Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 10 when he walks up there he makes dust which is the clouds and if you look at it outer space then is what it's under his knee it's under his thigh cuz he's sitting on a throne in the third heaven his feet are on the earth in the first heaven the second heaven is between the clouds and the throne of God and God is ruling, but you say, well, why is all this happening then if God is ruling? Very important you remember this and know this. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. God gave these angels a time period to rule over men. When that time is over, God's taking it back. If God gives you something, He'll never take it back. What does He give us? Eternal life, praise the Lord. That's why once saved, always saved. You can't lose it. It's eternal. A lot of people don't have that, or they don't even want it, who claim to be a Christian. We talked to a few of those yesterday. So, the gifts and the callings of God without repentance. The Bible says the sins of the Amorite has not yet come to the full way back in the Old Testament, when it came to the full, God was going to deal with them. And when the time comes to the full, what does the Bible say now? That when the times of the Gentiles comes to the full, who is treading underfoot Jerusalem and the Holy Land? Oh, there's a lot of Jews there. There's a lot of Arabs there. But there's a lot of Gentiles there. Who really is running Israel right now? Israel's not running Israel, if you really look at it, politically, militarily. Um, You look at the geopolitics of what's going on. We've been supporting Saudi Arabia with uh, uh, high-tech military wear and Israel at the same time because of the different types of muslims but we're doing it because of iran all these things are are going on but one day the times of the gentiles is coming to a full god's taking the promised land back giving it all to israel after the battle of armageddon so let's try to envision this first heaven between the earth and the clouds second heaven the clouds to what we call outer space. And then the third heaven is the throne room of Almighty God. Now, where NASA got it wrong, and they miss all of this, with the pyramid and also, I won't go into that, the shape, the length, the breadth, the height, and the depth, there's four dimensions, not three like a cube as we think of in geometry where they got it wrong is they don't realize there is a deep between the second heaven and the third heaven. And it is a firmament of water. And this is where Satan dwells. Uh, You know, I used to read that and I'd think, well, the great red dragon lives in the water. He's somewhere in the ocean. Now, there are sea monsters out there. you, you got to look out, but God will protect you. But I, I used to think about this seven-headed dragon, this crooked serpent who lives in the deep, the oceans. Uh, it must be some type of dinosaur that made it through the first world, cataclysm, uh, what's going on. But when you study it, this dragon lives in the deep. And the deep is above the second heaven, in between the second and the third. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 74 that when God delivered Israel out of Egypt and led them into the wilderness on the way to the Promised Land, that He slew one of the heads of the dragon.